All right, you guys, so listen, confession. The 9 a.m., I preached way too long. It happened, just gonna throw it out there, and it's not even a joke. I literally got to the end and thought, oh my goodness, I preached too long. So I'm gonna try to shorten it. Um, with that being said, I'm gonna ask you to just like kind of lean in with me, all right? Keep pace with me. If you, th- if you thought I talked fast before, I don't know. I don't know how today's gonna go. Um, so um, we've been in this series, hold on, <clears throat> I'm good. Um, we've been in this series, uh, God Is, and uh, we've been using every week to sort of fill in the blanks, right? And so, oh yeah, there you go, boom. Um, yeah, so every week there's a, a new word or a conversation to have around uh, a part of God's character. And that whole series has been rooted in Exodus chapter 34, uh, which is right up there in italics, verses six through seven. So I wanna read this, especially if you're new here, just know this is the passage we keep coming back to every single week and it's guided um, how we talk about God uh, in the past couple months. So this is Exodus 34. The Lord passed before him. Does, who remembers who the Lord passed before? Who's there with God? Moses, Moses. there you go, great job. Um, The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And so for the past several weeks, we talked about God being eternal, God being all-knowing, God being sufficient, God being powerful and personal, slow to anger, faithful, forgiving, and just. And then last week, we took a little break and had a Thanksgiving dinner. Who was here last week? Was anyone there? Oh, great. I was in Oregon, which I did not know I was going to be when we planned last week. Last week, I was already prepared to have my favorite Sunday of the year and then Alas, I was in Oregon with my in-laws, which was great. But anyway, missed you guys, saw some pictures, had FOMO, all right? Okay, anyway, that was random. Let's come back. So if you guys, anyone that's been here regularly, you guys know I love to get really practical, right? It's kind of a pet peeve of mine, the thought of a church gathering around the word and being like, wow, that was crazy. All right, see ya. Um, And instead of going, how does this affect my like Monday at seven in the morning when I'm still asleep, you know? (laughs) That was a joke about early risers. I don't really know. Anyway, um, (laughs) that's good. I love to get practical. And this series has been really challenging because we're talking about, you know, the character of God and it's not very chill, you know, like uh, God is eternal. It's like, okay, how does that affect your Monday? You know, it's kind of hard. You know what I mean? It's kind of hard to get really practical and, you know, during my day at work, how can I apply this? So today is gonna be sort of a sweeping attempt to get practical, um, to, to talk about how do we take, who we know God to be according to Exodus 34 and the rest of scripture and, and how can we become like God really is what we're gonna talk about, which I guess is the question of like Christianity anyway. So anyway, no big deal. So as best as we can, I'm gonna get practical and I'll start out with just a little story. So something I've learned about myself, all right? I'm an eight on the Enneagram. Does anyone keep up with the Enneagram? Yeah, I'm an eight. That's, what is that? challenger, right? And so it means that um, at least, I don't know how to define it according to the Enneagram, I didn't look it up. But from what I understand, it means like, if I believe something or think something and someone says something contrary to what I believe or think, I'm a little less hesitant to let you know I disagree with you and not so polite of terms if I'm not mature, right? Like that's what I've learned. And I know I'm an eight 
because of how many times I hurt people's feelings in my younger years accidentally. Because out of passion, I'm just like standing my ground and I'm independent and I don't mold to anyone's opinions. And you know, this is the right way. And it's only right because I think it's right. And that's the only evidence I need. Like that's kind of an immature eight. Hopefully I'm better than that by now. But anyway, so I can come across as someone very independent, right? Kind of do my own thing. I'm also a big time people pleaser. I love people's approval. Love, if you love me. Do you love me? Because if you do, I love it. And one of the ways I've seen this show up is the more I hang out with people that I respect or the more I watch something or look at something that I respect, the more I tend to become like it. The more I begin to adapt what I like about that TV show or that person or whatever else, right? This is kind of obvious. An example I have, I have a friend, his name's Daniel. He actually goes here. He's not here right now. I think he's out of town for Thanksgiving. Um, like everybody else. But anyway, he always wore stuff that I thought was ugly until two years later, where I inevitably ended up buying the same thing just way later. He was kind of a trendsetter in that way, in my opinion. Now, you may not agree, right? This is my personal story, so back off of my fashion. But anyway, so these shoes, these are Blundstones. Have you heard of these? You guys seen these around? They're pretty ugly, right? I think they are, um, or at least I used to think they were. When Daniel wore them, I kid you not, five years ago, but here's the thing about Daniel. Daniel's funny, he's smart, he's always kind of on top of it. He just seems like he's got life together. You know what I mean? He's just a cool guy. He's one of my best friends. And every time there's this pattern and it happened again, thus the shoes I'm currently wearing that I made fun of when I saw him wearing them five years ago, half a decade ago, all right? And I remember being like, dude, like, what are those? He's like, oh man, you can wear them with anything. Like you can dress up with them. You can dress casual with them. You can get them wet. You can, blah, blah. and I'm like, I'm not putting on any kind of pants with those shoes. I don't care how much they go with all these different outfits. They're ugly, right? Then I meet my baby, my girl, my wife, Leah. And she tells me, you know what shoes you need? The Blundstones. And I'm like, you know, you're right. My friend wears those and I happen to love them, right? Uh, but the truth is I had actually come around on them. I'd seen them wear them enough and I'm not even sure they got cool. I, I have no idea. All I know is I've long had a love and affinity for Daniel. I respect him. He's one of my best friends and I've seen him wearing them long enough to or finally my brain mutated and said, okay, these shoes are cool and now I have a pair. Does that make sense? Do you guys ever get like that? Like I know for a fact my sense of humor changed drastically when I met Michael Scott right? Like when I met Jim and Dwight and the whole like dry, awkward, quiet humor, it changed. You hear it in my sermons every week. You know how much your silence doesn't bother me. That's because of the office only. When I tell a joke and it bombs, internally I'm giggling. I'm having such a fun time hearing you not think I'm funny. Because it reminds me of the office. And honestly, it, sounds, it might be to my detriment, right? When I, it, may, it may make me a worse speaker, but it's how it is. But the truth is, I think no matter what your personality is, no matter what you're like, my guess is you have some semblance of this, right? When you love someone or something and you pay attention to it long enough, you begin to become like it. And this pattern is pretty common. And I actually wanna show you a little, a little illustration that's gonna capture kind of how this can work. Now this, this invitation, information, invitation, innovation, this little tool you see here, this really applies the best with like an apprenticeship in the workplace, all right? Someone says, hey, inviting you in to the job. You've got a job. Um, I'm gonna teach you about the job. Now you're gonna come with me as I do the job. And then eventually you're gonna do it yourself in ways that you can do it. And sometimes you'll even improve on what I did. But I also think this happens just in general, right? Like in life, when we make friends or when we watch things, right? So it starts with the invitation. So whether this invitation is like explicitly obvious 
hey, come sit at the lunch table with us, or hey, come to this conference with me, or hey, watch this YouTube video, or maybe it's more subversive, like you just happen to be in the same class with someone that ends up having great influence on you, or the YouTube algorithm happened to show you a cooking video, and then boom, you turned into a savant. You know, I don't, I don't know how it goes, but often like things that we love start with an invitation that we just say yes to on some level. Uh, and then it moves to information. This is where we start watching the thing or looking at the thing or spending time with the person and simply paying attention, right? Uh, whether it's obvious or not. Like if you're meeting with a mentor, maybe it's more obvious. Hey, tell me about this. Teach me about this. I wanna gather information. I wanna learn. Um, or maybe it's less obvious where you're just with someone that you really respect, but it's vulnerable to tell them like just how much you look up to them. So you just take notes internally, right? What's that haircut like? What's the facial expression whenever you're stressed? What clothes are you wearing? How do you talk? What's your tone of voice? Blah, 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 blah. And whether you're doing this subconsciously or very obviously in your mind, you're just taking notes. You're learning, right? You're just taking notes, learning from that person to that thing. And this eventually, I'm going faster this time to make this sermon shorter, so keep, keep with me. All right. Eventually it leads to imitation, where you begin to imitate the people that you've been looking at, the people that you've been around, or the things you've been obsessing over, and you start trying it out for yourself, right? It's the first time I try a joke in the realm like that's kind of like the office, and I see how the room feels when I try it, right? And go, okay, and then I assess it. How did that go? How can I fix it? How can I do better? How can I be Michael Scott, right? <laughs> like that's how it goes. Or, or maybe it's like where, I don't know if you've ever done this, have you ever been watching a show and um, you see them like display certain like pride or anger or something and the show's really dramatic and then you get in an argument and then you start sounding like the person and you're like, now hold up, that's toxic, <laughs> right? I don't, maybe that totally missed you. That happened to me last month with my wife. I was watching the show and it's all about family dynamics and everyone's witty and frustrated and sharp with each other. And me and Leah got in a little tiff that happens sometimes, bam. And I sounded like one of the characters that I don't even like. And I heard myself sound that way and was like, this is gonna sound so childish, but babe, I talked to you that way because of that, that one guy on that show, <laughs> which is humiliating. How much of a robot am I? Gosh, anyway. But this is what happens when you start to imitate, whether it's on purpose or not. You start like trying it out. You start wearing the same clothes or using the same humor. Or maybe you always follow these bloggers that are always earth friendly, earth conscious and organic clothing and blah, blah, blah. And you go to like free people or whatever store has all this stuff and you spend way too much money, way outside of your budget. Why? You're imitating what you've seen. That's all that's happening right there. The app has done its job. The algorithm has won, right? <laughs> like, but not that sad. Um, anyway. All right, this is what happens in imitation. You just start trying. You start looking like the people or the things you've been looking at, right? All right, then it gets to innovation. So once we've learned how to imitate enough, we begin to innovate. This is where kind of your old identity and your new identity come and form a fresh identity, right? So like, for example, I'm still Joshua, son of Trudy and Scott from Western Kentucky, country boy, best friend, Tyler Willett, cattle farmer, killing it, doing great. That's still a huge part of me, but now I got a little Daniel Escobel influence on me and I got Blundstones and I watch The Office and I use silent, awkward humor. And it's all just this one thing, right? To where you can see kind of all the parts that make me who I am, but also I'm uniquely me, right? This happens the most obvious, well, we're in Nashville, so it feels like the most obvious in music, okay? If you ever heard an artist where you went, you know what, I can hear multiple influences in this sound, but the sound itself is unique. So you almost hear little bits of imitation, but then also you get the like power of the innovation. Like I've got a favorite artist right now, and when I heard him release his rap album, I could hear 
production from a different artist that wasn't involved with the album, but I can tell the influence. I could hear a different writer that was influencing clearly, but also he himself was so unique and so captivating. That's innovation. That's where you're taking what you've imitated, brought your truest self with it, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you get it. All right, does this make sense right now? I went through that so much faster. All right, so to sum it all up, on some level, all I really just said was, we become what we behold, all right? That's like a church way of saying it. We become like that which we behold. What we pay attention to, what we constantly gaze at, what we're always around, we begin to become like those things, like those people. Um, And this actually makes sense. Our brains have this thing, neuroplasticity, all right? It's this really fancy word that I'm in love with because it makes me sound smarter than I am. But really all it means that whenever you have a thought or wherever you do something over and over again, there's these neurons uh, that form pathways in your brain. So if you happen to park over at Harris Hillman and you walked over to the Ruby today, there were two paths you could have taken. One was made of concrete. It was a sidewalk. The city planners plan on you to walk there. Two, it looks like other people took this one, the grass path, right? The path has been beaten down, walked over, over and over and over again. Shout out humans for dodging that 30 yards extra of walking to cut across someone else's finely mowed lawn, right? Um, And I do it every Sunday. And so that's an example of like pathways. The more people walk, the more the pathway is obvious. This happens with us. The more we see people, the more we're around people, the more our brains are formed to be like them, okay? This is really, really obvious. Now, this is important with our series because scripture asks of us to become like God. And so to leave this series, God is, and we filled in the blanks, how do we become like God? We must behold him. And so the next several minutes is just me talking about how do we behold God, okay? And we're gonna get really practical. So Genesis 1:27, the creation story, God says, let us make man in our image. So in that, I hope we hear, like God has intended us to reflect him, to reflect for us to, in all of our ways, collectively show this is what God is like. So when we read that classic Exodus 34, six through seven, which we've done at nauseum every single week, it should hopefully lead us to say, okay, if God is compassionate, am I also compassionate? If God is abounding in love, am I abounding in love? If God is gracious, am I gracious? If God is merciful, am I merciful? It should lead us to reflect, am I like this? Because if God is like this, to some degree, he wants me to be just like this, right? This is important because if you read it, if you read Exodus 34 and you think about all these wonderful things that God is, and then you think about your own life, obviously I would think you're gonna feel a little bit of a gap, right? A little bit of a chasm. And it kind of leaves you going, okay, how do I get back? Well, first I wanna start in 2 Corinthians chapter three, verses 17 through 18. I wanna start kind of with a promise that this, this guy named Paul gives us. He's writing to this church in Corinth. So if you've got a Bible, this is you. 2 Corinthians chapter three, it's in the New Testament, verses 17 through 18. So Paul's writing to a group of people and he actually just got done talking about how Moses would spend time with God and um, he'd have to have a veiled face and his face would shine like light, like picture just a flashlight for a face. (laughs) It's a weird intrusive picture, but that's what Moses would look like when he was in the presence of God. And then Paul's gonna make this big announcement. Because of Jesus, we no longer have to veil our faces. There just doesn't have to be this gap between us and God. It's really cool. So it says this, 
Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. So this is important. Let's talk about first what's being said and then second what's not being said very briefly. First, what's being said. We can be transformed back into the image bearers that we were meant to be in Genesis chapter one. By the power of Jesus's death and resurrection and by the leadership of the spirit, Paul's saying, we don't have to be separated from this, this God in us. Like he has come close. We can have close relationship with him. And because we can walk so closely with him, we can become like him. Really, really cool promise if you didn't know that. All right, what's not being said is if we'll concentrate super hard, if we'll try our very, 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 very best, if we'll sin less and less and less until we die, we will finally become like God. None of that is said. There's not a yoke of legalism or checking the box that's instituted here. It simply says, when we with unveiled faces behold the glory of the Lord, we will begin or continue this transformative process of becoming like God. Saying it's already happening. This promise can happen if we will just behold God. And on the front end, I just wanna say, church, there's no better transformation on planet earth than us individually and collectively becoming more and more like the image of God for the sake of our soul, personally, but also for the sake of the world, for the sake of your friends that you came with today, for the sake of your family that you just left at Thanksgiving happy or sad or a whole mix of emotions, for the sake of your neighborhood, for the sake of your doormates, for the sake of your college, for the sake of your city, becoming like the image of God, being a blessing to the world as intended. This is why Moses was so angry when he had his first set of 10 commandments in Exodus. He comes back down and the people have built up a false idol and they're worshiping it, right? They spent 400 years in pagan Egypt. They knew how to build false gods. They've been taught how to build false gods and how to worship them. So they do what they knew. Impatient, faithless, ready to just doubt at any moment. They build a false idol and Moses knows this is bad news. He gets mad, he throws the tablets. He should have thought a little harder before he just threw the 10 commandments scripted by God himself. But I get why. He's like, worshiping this God, you will not get back to Genesis 127. This was sown by impatience and faithlessness, faithlessness, and it will reap impatience and faithlessness. He knows that the 10 commandments were gonna help them become like God. God was helping them out. And so he's so frustrated because Moses had just been with God. He beheld his glory. He knew the beauty and the wonder of God. And so to see people giving their focus on beholding this golden man-made image just broke his heart, right? So really my plan for today is to help equip you to behold God in your own life. This is not gonna be, um, if I've ever preached one of those sermons, this isn't one of those sermons that I think you'll leave going, man, when he said that, wow. I don't know if I've ever done it before. So that may have been too prideful to even say as an example. Um, but this is gonna be way more informative, I think, than like inspirational. And so what I ask of you is to lean in to take notes. So what I'm about to do is lay out the calendar week. We're gonna go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I've got a little alliteration for each day. It is super corny, but I also think it might be helpful in equipping you to walk with God in ways that maybe you'd never thought of. And so my only ask of you for the rest of this time is to write down one, two, or three things that you might try. And I might've said it, 
Or you might've been like, that was a bad idea, but a good idea was this. And then write down the one that you thought of. Either way is great. But the whole goal is that you try something, right? That you participate in this. Okay. Honestly, guys, we're doing great. You have no idea how much better this is going. Um, you're like, you think this is bad. Um, all right. Yeah, we're ready. Okay. Cough. <coughs> Good. All right. Medita- yeah. uh, I just want you to know it's coming. Meditation Mondays. Let's start there. Meditation Mondays. See that? There's more where that came from. That alliteration. All right. So I don't know about you and your personality. Maybe you're one of those really annoying people that uh, just loves Monday mornings and can't wait for a new week. I'm totally kidding. It's not annoying. That's a gift from the Lord. Um, That's not me, all right? Mondays for me are are often really foggy and tired, mainly because my Sundays are my hardest work day of the week. It's really exhausting. But anyway, when I get to a Monday morning, I'm not like, all right, get me a big checklist. Show me what I'm gonna knock out this week. I'm like, don't, just hold up, wait till 11 a.m. and I'll be ready to, to interact with you, right? And, and so on Monday mornings, what I need is something simple, easy, accessible, right? And that's the gift of meditation. So if Mondays for you are like a checklist day, it's a day to like attack the week, then maybe move this to a different day. There's no pressure to follow the, the pattern here. But as for me, I need slow, simple, quiet. And so that starts with silence and solitude, AKA just being somewhere where you're alone and it's just quiet. And that's kind of all it requires. Now, if you're a parent in the room, we've got at least one in the back here. Um, but if that's you, then maybe this is just your bed before 6 a.m. or 5.30 whenever kids wake up. Um, if that's not you, maybe this is somewhere pretty, somewhere at a park at Severe before sunrise. Just kidding. <laughs> before sunrise. <laughs> Who's away? <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know where this is. This could be your car in the parking lot at work before you go in. Uh, I don't know. But somewhere where you can be quiet and you can just take deep breaths. And I would just encourage you, man, maybe this is a great way to start quiet time with God is just breathing deeply. I remember reading like, hey, when you take deep breaths, imagine like a balloon inflating and the air going out and the inflating and going back out and deflating would be the word. Um, And so I remember like just close my eyes and going, and just picturing the balloon. And at first it felt silly, because what am I doing? I'm breathing and thinking about a balloon. But over time, what you begin to notice is, okay, your body's getting some more oxygen, your heart rate is slowing down, and you're just calmer. Like, it's just a helpful exercise, right, to let your physical body relax. So maybe that's a good way to start for you. And then I would encourage a simple, focused prayer. And when I say simple, I mean like simple. And I think we need a little bit more of this energy in our walk with God because I think sometimes we talk ourselves into a treadmill walk with God. I don't know if you've ever tried to do sprints on a treadmill where you set it to like eight or 10 or some of y'all are crazy and go way faster than that. It's probably you. Um, But she's on the, never mind. (laughs) She's on the track team. That's why I pointed out some random person in the crowd. Anyway, all right. But if you've ever done that, you jump on the treadmill and you run super hard for like one minute and you get off and you do like eight more times. And by the end of it, you're like, wow, it's only been like six minutes, but I'm exhausted. Is that not how it can feel with God sometimes? I gotta, I gotta spend time with God this morning. Okay, I'm gonna open up to Matthew and read all of the New Testament. Like I'm, gonna, I'm really gonna get back to it today. Or, or you make the like, I'm gonna read the Bible in a year thing. So you're reading like eight chapters a day and by like it's Monday and by Thursday, you're like, look, 
I'm gonna have to revisit this whole like Bible reading at all thing, right, you know? And it can feel like we're kind of always hopping back on and off and on and off. And then God suddenly feels like this really heavy handed task list oriented. And it's like, we make God so small. God spoke the universe, he spoke the universe into existence with his breath. He's good. He's all right. He's not stressing your like daily Bible reading like you think he is. I think sometimes he just wants to know that you wanna be with him, right? Um, don't quote me on that just in case that's not fully true. Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't wanna get too buddy-buddy with God because I know there's like the surrender, but seriously, I was talking to someone the other day. They just had their first child pregnant with their second and she was just crying like it's really hard to get in the Bible right now. And I was like, wait, yeah, you're a new mom. Like what? Why are you, I don't think God's stressing like you're stressing. What if you just held your newborn and, and just told God, thank you for your newborn literally all day whenever it came to your mind and that was your quiet time. And she just started crying like, if that counted, that would be amazing. And I'm like, okay, well, it definitely counts. So you're good, right? I think sometimes we forget that. That was a tangent. That's the heart behind this Monday meditation. Like, what if your simple prayer was, God, I'm here, you're here, you love me, thank you. Let's slow down on that. It's more profound than you realize. God, I'm here. Where? In my bedroom, in my car, sitting outside my workspace. The heat is on, it's cold outside. I'm still not warmed up from the heat. <laughs> like, I'm here, this is me, I'm here. Also, you're here. Oh, you're here. Okay. You're in the car with me. You're in my little prayer closet. You're, in, you're on the couch with me. You're in the kitchen making coffee with me. Like, okay, you're here, God. And you're not just here, but you love me. No matter how I look before I get ready, before I put the, the product in my hair, before I, I put makeup on my face, before I get dressed, like, you love me right here. Like, this version of myself that I would never walk out in public with, you're already here and you love me. All right, whoa, sit there longer. Okay, thank you, thank you. I love that I'm here because I prefer being here alive. I love that you're here, especially if you love me. Okay, you see what, you see what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe you didn't get lost with me just then, but I got lost personally just thinking about it. Like, what if it was that simple? And you could leave going, man, I spent time with my creator today, like my father. And so, um, yeah, maybe it'll help. All right, um, maybe have a, a, a scripture to meditate on. I'm not even requiring this of you. Like, if it feels like too much pressure to have a cool scripture moment, then don't do it. Don't worry about it. But um, I remember someone teaching me, man, sometimes you just need to read scripture until one verse stands out. And when it stands out, read it again, and then write it down, and then write it down again, and then write it down in your own words, and then pray to God about what you wrote down in your own words. And I remember hearing that from this guy in a coffee shop, and it turns out he was an online pastor, the pastor church in Florida while living in Nashville, pretty crazy conversation. But anyway, it was really cool just to be like, wow, I'd never thought to do this for scripture, and I tried it, and it was just really impactful. So consider reading, writing, writing in your own words, then praying about it can help. All right, at the end of each day, I'll have helpful hints and resources. Helpful hint, one, start with simple expectations. 
your expectations will define kind of your experience a lot of times. So if you, ex- if you expect, all right, I'm gonna be just deathly still for an hour straight, I'm gonna have no distractions, and by the end of this, my head's gonna be on fire with the Spirit, and I'm gonna baptize three people in the name of Jesus in my neighborhood by knocking on doors. Like, okay, right? Now, that's obviously hyper- hyperbolic, right? But think about it. Whenever you sit with God, don't you sometimes have like these weird expectations to feel something, to do something, like something big to happen? I would say just ease off. Uh, Meditation is kind of a long game play. It's one of those like help you be a Christian for the next 50 years, not the next five days. And so quit looking for like a short-term steroid shot where it's like, finally, I love God with all my heart and just go today, I'm gonna meditate on the Lord and then I'm gonna go to work and that's gonna be my day. And I will have spent time with the Lord. That's a great place to start. All right, number two, Teaching Tuesdays. We're gonna start, we have some time. Um, we're gonna start pacing it a little bit quicker. All right, Teaching Tuesdays. Further your learning. This is a great way to behold God, just to learn more about them. Sometimes, about him. Sometimes we, I think, especially in this current moment, I think we're in, we can feel discouragement and sadness when met with ignorance especially about God. Oh, we don't know this about God or we don't know what the Bible says or what it means. And so immediately we're like, shoot, I don't know. That's a really good tool of the enemy because whatever it is that you don't know about scripture or about God is a treasure trove from God himself. And it's really cool. One thing I've definitely learned with the luxury of being a pastor surrounded by guys that just talk about the Bible a lot right? Like I got a lot of guys and girls around me that just know a lot about scripture. So I get to just naturally glean even at while at work. One thing you learn, man, it just never stops kind of blowing your mind, especially once like one puzzle piece from 2013 connects to the puzzle piece from 2015. Oh, I remember learning that, that, that. Oh, this is all connected. What? It gets crazy. I just want to let you know, there's so much to learn about scripture and about God. And it's really cool stuff. There'll be for sure some challenging stuff, but I would encourage you, expand your learning. This can happen in a few different ways, all right? Maybe this comes through a mentor. Maybe you ask someone to disciple you. Like maybe there's a day where you go, you know, on Tuesdays, I meet with this, this person and I do this crazy thing where I ask them questions, then I stop talking and I just listen to them. And then when they stop talking, I think of another question and you won't believe it. I just listen again. Then I ask him another, I'm just kidding. Um, but like, think about maybe asking someone like, man, would you be willing to, for a certain amount of time or just forever, like disciple me or mentor me? Or can I at least meet with you once and just ask you questions? Cause I respect a lot about you and your walk with Jesus. And I just wanna know answers. Y'all question asking is dying. Be better question askers. Find someone you trust and respect, ask them questions, help them expand your learning. Or maybe this comes through a book or a helpful podcast that you trust. Um, maybe there's a book that covers a topic about God and scripture that you've really wanted to know more about and you know it's gonna help you grow closer to God. Man, read. Or if there's a pastor that you love because he or she just really like, every time they speak, they just get your attention. They get your heart excited. Make a discipline. Like every week, listen to at least one sermon by that person. I've got a couple of those. I love Judah Smith. I think he's awesome. He's out in, I think, California and Washington somehow. He does a couple church things. Um, He's so funny but he always brings it back to Jesus in such a fun way. And I really love and admire him. And so that's one of the guys I listen to. Anyway, all right. So read a good book, listen to a good podcast. And then at some point, just reflect on it. What did I learn today? Maybe all you learned was Isaiah was a prophet and his letter is in the Old Testament. You're done. 
Great job. Look at you. You're learning. Maybe you learned there's 66 books in the Bible. Great job. That's really cool. Keep learning, right? So think of ways to expand what you learn. Um, some helpful hints. If you don't have a mentor or someone that disciples you actively, pray for that. We're in a barren desert. There are a lot of people that need to be discipled. Um, also, low-key, we should be discipling people. So even if you don't have one, maybe disciple someone else, see what goes down there. But pray for a mentor, pray for that, ask God for that. And until then, learn from resources like the Bible Project. If you don't know what the Bible Project is, this is a free resource that is like a visual encyclopedia for scripture. I mean, it's like, if you go to YouTube right now and you search Bible Project Genesis, you'll find a couple of long videos that, well, not long, short, like 10 minutes total probably, something in that range. And they do great visuals and just talk you through. This is who the book of Genesis is about. These are all the details. Here's it summed up chapter by chapter. It's so helpful. They also offer graduate level online courses for free online right now. So if you ever thought, I wish there was like a helpful resource to help me learn more about scripture. I have a bunch of questions and I feel like someone knows. Check out the Bible Project. All right, another good book, 30 Days to Understanding the Bible. It's by a guy named Max Anders. When you go through it, it feels like you're in third grade all over again. It uses a ton of visuals, really simple fill in the blank exercises. But by the end of it, you've read and written over and over again, these 12 different eras in scripture, and you've memorized the main characters and you've memorized kind of the big picture of it all. And it's really cool. So 30 Days to Understanding the Bible, another great one. Also, these are all in my notes. All right. <clears throat> Sorry, I can't get rid of this, whatever this uh, allergy is, I promise. Um, all right, Worship Wednesdays, next. Worship Wednesdays. Worship is a missing component, in my opinion, in so many quiet times. Uh, I think there's a stereotypical picture of spending time with God that turns into you quietly at a table, sitting, reading, praying. That's quiet time, right? Um, hopefully you already see it's different. There's way more to it. Um, worship is such a good thing to bring in your one-on-one -on -one time with God. Worship is not just acoustic guitars and microphones in a big group of people. Some of my best worship ever has come in private by myself with very off-key acapella song that I was making up as I sung it. I'm basically singing a diary. I'm writing my diary through ugly song as I sing. It's beautiful. And I didn't know that about me until I just experimented and got lucky. Like, and I just started praying and singing and I felt like God ministered to me. And I was like, whoa, melody helps me be honest, even if it doesn't sound good, but no one's here. So whatever, I love the sound of my own voice as we all do. All right, all right we can at least. So worship, whether you write or draw or observe or walk or sing or play or use playlists, like whatever it is, find your ways that help you behold and adore and praise God. If you want some examples of people that know how to just worship and like interact with God in a, in a worshipful way, just check out the Psalms. You'll also find some lamenting and some really honest ones in there. Side note, very helpful. Learn from that, apply to your prayer life. But man, this is Psalm 27, four right here. One thing I ask from the Lord, this alone do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. This writer is going, God, you're so beautiful that for the rest of my days, I just wanna sit here and look at you. And if you take that Psalm and go, God, why are you so beautiful? What makes you so beautiful that he thinks you're worth staring at? for so long, will you show me and help me start naming why you're beautiful and whether I wanna sing it or write it or say it or just think it, I'm just gonna do that. And I'm just gonna do it until praise erupts out of my heart. I'm just gonna worship you. I believe we are made to be creatures 
of worship. And so if you will do this when you're happy, but I would say, especially when you're mad or sad or depressed or checked out, if you will just choose to enter a place of worship and try your hardest. I've told you this story several times, but when my wife got in her accident last, last year, and it was so significant and serious, I remember leaving and, and going to my private place because I've been trained, like worship, worship when it's good, worship when it's bad. I remember worshiping in this little garden area that I knew no one would be around. And I just remember, I didn't leave feeling happy, that's for sure, but I do remember leaving like, whoa, I, I did connect with God through tears, through fear, through frustration, but also through worship, and it meant a lot to me. Anyway, I think worship's really helpful. So helpful hints and resources, read through Psalms for sure. If you need help like helping, like what's worship language even sound like, that's good. Um, and then two, experiment. Find your love language with God. Don't assume that you already know it. Um, if you ever feel like you're being forced to walk with God in ways that someone else does, but it doesn't work for you, maybe you haven't found your love language yet. You know what I'm saying? And I don't wanna be selfish in our walk with God, but what if God really did tailor make a love language for you to connect with God? Maybe keep trying to find it. So where worship comes easy, worship like that. All right, Thanksgiving Thursdays. Thanksgiving falls on a Thursday. <laughs> so you get the THs and then you get the, the calendar. <clears throat> so being thankful, really helpful. Sometimes I think we're 10 minutes of gratitude away from life feeling way more in order and at peace. <laughs> I feel like sometimes we're dealing with these meta big problems in our brains. And if we just sit down and in a very kind way, simmer down and just tell God, thank you for a while, we'd be like, you know what? Life's not so bad. We're okay. We're doing all right. So I would really encourage you to incorporate gratitude into your life. This is a pen and paper deal. This is an external process deal, whatever it is. But think about making a short list or a long list to just say thank you. If it's a short list, you're going, man, I'm just gonna start with my best friend and I'm just gonna say thank you, God, for them. Sit there for 10 minutes, then transition to one more person. Thank you for a long time. Or maybe you're a long list person and it helps you. Quantity helps bring your soul life and go, God, I'm thankful for my mom, my dad, for ladybugs, for the wind, for ocean, for the scriptures, for my iPhone, for the weather. Like if you just need to like, bop, 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 maybe that helps you. But here's what I would encourage. Do not leave that space until you genuinely feel grateful. That's the bar. Don't leave until you genuinely feel thankful. Even if it's not directly to God, eventually I'd like for you to get to a place where you're thankful to the Lord because scripture says that he gives us all good things, that they're from above. Some of my most profound times with God was when I chose to get a pen and paper and try to think of a hundred things I'm thankful for. I never got past 30. And I'm just crying. I'm an emotional guy. You guys, I cry so easy. And so apparently, I didn't know that, but I definitely do because of how many times you've seen me cry right here. So I remember like being in my car and just writing a list and then just like reading it one by one and going, Whoa, okay, wow. All right. I came into this place depressed, but seriously, you're amazing. Thank you so much for all these things. Um, one person at the nine even said they keep the list that they're thankful for. They keep all their stuff and then they'll go back like a year later Look, good for them. I hope you can do that because apparently it's really powerful to go back and read what you're thankful for a year later. So please do that. <laughs> I don't know. It's a bucket list item for me. Okay. <laughs> Helpful hints and resources. Philippians 4, 4 through 7, a great passage that if you wanna remember why gratitude's cool and why it's important, um, that's a great passage just to have as a motto. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So what I take from that 
Gratitude in the midst of prayer and making requests and petitions brings this peace that we can't logically get into. We can't tap into it. It's from the Holy Spirit. All right, we're almost done. Three more days and they only get shorter. Here we go. Friendship Fridays. It's the weekend. All right, this is where I would invite you. In a self-obsessed world, this is where we turn our hearts outward and pray for and think of others more than ourselves. I think this should apply to more than just one day a week, but let's just start easy, right? Why not? Why make it harder than we should? So at least one day a week going, I'm gonna give a lot of my heart and mind energy to just thinking about other people, my family, my friends, my coworkers, AKA the people you see most often, right? The baristas, the leaders of your cycling class, or the people sweating it out right beside you, just pedaling with all their heart and that crazy, insane EDM music. That's what my wife tells me anyway. Um, all right, uh, the person in your house church group text that you haven't met yet, the person, the person in your fantasy football team, or not team, I don't know, I haven't done fantasy football in a while. Um, but pray through people until God, okay. All right, my family, my friends, my coworkers, my neighbors. And pay attention as, as you pray, does anyone like stick out? And then just pray for them. God, is there anything specific you want me to pray for for them? Now, listen, this is pretty hit and miss for me. Sometimes I feel like I get a real word of encouragement for someone, but a lot of times I feel like I kind of know some obvious stuff that they could use some encouragement for, and that's what I got for them. And so after that, I would encourage you, take it to the next step. Like give them a phone call, talk to them in person, look them in the eyes until they're actually looking at you back and really listening and speak life to them. Tell them you love them. Tell them why you love them. I love you is generic. When you get specific, I love you because. You ever been talked to you like that? Like I remember those few moments where someone chooses to like really pull me aside and go, hey, I wanna tell you something to really specifically encourage you. And it's like real specific. You feel so seen and known, right? How powerful is that? How even more powerful is that you have a mouth that you're in control of and can be that for someone else at any given moment? I could walk around the room right now and encourage each and every one of you, the people I don't know too, I could, that's in, that is in my, that is power. That is in my possession. I can do that. The tongue is so powerful. And so I would encourage you, pray for other people, strangers, friends alike. And if you feel God leading you to encourage someone, man, encourage them. And if you don't have any like cool, holy nudge to encourage someone, pick someone random. It'd be crazy if you just encourage someone for no reason at all. Wouldn't that be wild? Wouldn't it be wild if in this church you always encourage at least one person a Sunday? What would this place be like if everyone did that? Strangers would show up being like, this is the most loving random place ever. Why is everyone so freaking, I had 17 people come and compliment me. I never met them. You know what I mean? Anyway, forget it. Uh, all right. Love them, write them a letter, send it in the mail. That's fun. Send a little letter to your friend, even if they live in the same neighborhood. <laughs> all right. So do that. It's really good. Sabbath Saturdays. Sabbath, Saturdays. <clears throat> so Saturdays, or so Sabbath has sort of been done away with in, in kind of modern day Christianity. But if you haven't noticed, it's making a bit of a comeback. A lot of church nerds are getting into Sabbath right now. Me being one of them. All right, pretty cool. Um, the reasons are complicated. We'll get into it way later. Um, but here's some key, key things for Sabbath. If you're gonna take Sabbath, all right? By the way, 10 commandment, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Okay. All right, number one. Put away productivity. Have one day a week. For a lot of people on the American calendar, this is Saturday, but we have a lot of artists and entrepreneurs, so maybe it's a different day of the week for you. But put away all productivity. All the things that make you feel like the world won't survive without your productivity, don't do those on this day. 
Let God prove to you the world will be fine without you. That's actually a good thing to know. The pressure of the world doesn't feel that great on your shoulders. So it's actually nice to know the world's fine. Your family's fine. Your friends are fine. No one's dying. It's okay. You can just let go today, right? Does that make sense? And so put away productivity. Second, this is just re-emphasizing it all over again because we struggle with this. Relentless rest. Fiercely pursue. It's kind of this like, I would have put it, but fiercely pursue rest. I had some really hard life stuff come up in the past three weeks. And one of the main things my pastor friend told me was, you need to pursue rest now more than ever. Right now, rest as hard as you can. And he was saying that in the most, you know, top five restless moments of my life. So it, it didn't make sense to pursue that, right? But he understood the importance. He'd been through a lot of battles. He knew how important rest was. And so I wanna say that to you. If you're going, huh, easy for you to say Sabbath Saturdays, then you're especially the one that needs a Sabbath. If you're going, I'm far too busy, then you definitely need it. I remember walking through my friend who graduated from Bandy, started his own business, it's thriving, successful. And I remember introducing Sabbath to him. And I know it was difficult for him to implement it. But now one day I'll have to, his name's Dawe, I'll have to have him come preach about why Sabbath is so important because he's implemented it better than I ever have which is so annoying when someone does that. It's like, hey, wait, I introduced you to it, all right? Why don't you calm down? Why don't you skip a few? Uh, but, but he'll testify to it, just how much has changed his life. And so again, long play, Sabbath matters. So the point of the day, enjoy, relax, laugh, live free of pressure. And as you go, pray and worship. I don't mean make sure you do your quiet time. I mean, as you enjoy, just every now and then, give a little soul whisper. Thank you, Lord, this is from you. You're not devoid of me having fun. You're not devoid of me enjoying this meal. You're not devoid of me taking a two-hour nap for real Holy Spirit in me, <laughs> okay? Um, all right, helpful hints and resources, all right? Helpful hint, one, your mind and your body will resist this aggressively. You just need to know it. You may think you're good at vegging, but when you're really trying to bring your soul rest, you'll resist it. Number two, put away your phones as much as possible. Whether you like it or not, phones trigger anxiousness and unrest. Put them away as best as you can. That should be a part of it. Number three, John Mark Comer has led his church through an outstanding series on Sabbath. It goes really in depth. It's really good. He also wrote a book called Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, again, church nerds in love with this book. It's circulating everywhere. I haven't even read all of it, but every pastor I respect has and loves it. So blah, blah, blah. We can all read it together, I guess. So Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Great book. Um, we preached about Sabbath a couple years ago. I preached about why we Sabbath and how we Sabbath. So if you want that, send you the link. It's not that good. I'm kidding. All right, um, we're almost done. I'm trying to tell jokes to keep you entertained. I'll stop. Um, all right, I can get you all this info. Come see me. Last one, Sunday service. Shout out Kanye. Um, we don't actually use the word service here. We use the word gathering. Uh, we don't see this as something like you're a consumer and I'm coming to give you a product. Um, so we don't call it a service. I'm only using service literally because of Kanye West. Um, so um, a few things that I think are really important when you show up to this space Show up with some intentionality. I think it'd be helpful. One, connect and relationship build when you're here. I just think Sundays will be more and more meaningful as you intentionally go out of your way to connect and build relationship. First with God, right? That'd be nice if we came to church, talked about God, but also grew in our relationship with him. But two, with each other. Keep going out of your way to come to things like Thanksgiving feast last week. Whenever you hear there's not gonna be a sermon in worship and then you think to yourself, I might just take the Sunday off. 
Stop it. You're working against what we're trying to build, all right? We wanna be close. We wanna be a family. We wanna know each other here. I think that's when church is at its best. So make that a priority, if you wanna be here at least. Um, Connect, relationship build. Two, worship, self-explanatory for time's sake. Number three, absorb. Don't just absorb teaching. If I say something that, that hits your heart, definitely absorb it, write it down, but also just pay attention. During worship, certain words might really pop out at you. And if you need to sit down in the middle of worship and write them down or pull out your phone, we don't think you're on Instagram. It's okay. Pull out your notes, write it down. I do this all the time at prayer gathering and I'm self-conscious every time. I always think, man, if they think the pastor is like scrolling Twitter right now, that's a bummer of a look. Who cares? Man, God has spoken something to me. I've got to make sure I remember it because my brain just can't quite do it. So I write it down. So pay attention to what God says. Absorb it, but also process it. That's why we circle up chairs and talk. When you go to lunch afterwards, talk about what God's been doing. That really helps our brains receive what we've learned, okay? Then just live your life. Live influenced by what happens here. Our prayer is that whatever's going down here, the relationships we're building, the scripture we're looking at changes how we live. Helpful hints and resources, you. You're the helpful hint. You're the helpful resource. All of you together, we collectively help each other out in making church like actually church spirit-led. Okay, last thing, pray for our church and pray for the people in our church. Like see yourself as a co-minister here. Like if someone needs prayer, you don't have to look for someone, you can do it. Now you can definitely look for someone. If it's too heavy, please come find me. I'd love to help. But also pray, pray for people. Pray that the Holy Spirit works in our church. Pray for salvation for our church. Our church will go, I don't know if this is true or not, but this sounds good in my head. Our church will go as far as our prayers go. Doesn't that sound kind of good? Even if it's not true, maybe God will take us beyond our prayers. I hope he does. But definitely be in prayer for our church. All right, that was a lot. Um, This sermon was only 10 minutes shorter. So it was just a long sermon, that's how it is. Um, But I wanna get to communion and do the process part. And so right now, I'm gonna invite you. We have communion at the back. There's two tables. Go ahead and stand. You can go grab one of those communion cups, come back to your chairs.